Hi, everyone. Just a brief content warning before we get into the meat of the episode. Um, Specifically, in our discussion of Chapter 11, we will be discussing themes relating to sexual assault, violence, and rape, etc. So if that is something that makes you uncomfortable, uh, any reason to skip it, feel free. Um, We will like timestamps in the description below. And we just want to make everyone as comfortable as possible. So we just figured we'd let you know. The Lightning Thief, Chapter 11. We visit the Garden Gnome Emporium. In a way, it's nice to know there are Greek gods out there because you have somebody to blame when things go wrong. For instance, when you're walking away from a bus that's just been attacked by monster hags and blown up by lightning, and it's raining on top of everything else, most people might think that that's just really bad luck. I'm Ava. I'm Eve. And I'm Brayden. And this is Return to Camp Half-Blood. Join us as we journey back through a childhood favorite series. And see what lessons we can learn as adults from these books that meant so much to us as kids. I'm excited to talk about this today, guys. Oh, there's so much in these chapters. Every emotion. Of, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, so welcome to Return to Camp Half-Blood. Today we're talking about The Lightning Thief, chapters 11 and 12. We visit the Garden Gnome Emporium and we get advice from a poodle uh, through the theme of appearances. Mm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We are. Oh, oh my God, appearances. What a a little multifaceted theme there. Wow. I'm excited. I believe it is my turn for the 30-second recap. I do have the timer. I'm a little excited. <laughs> okay. 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 Wait, bef- before before you count me down, I'm going to give a warning. I accidentally, I was listening to it as an audiobook while I was working, um, and I accidentally listened to an extra chapter. Oh. So, because <laughs> I, I missed the end of chapter 12, and it went right into 13. Really? So I'm, I understand. I might accidentally... <laughs> mess something there up but but i think i know i think i know where the 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 divide is you read ahead kick him out <laughs> kick him <laughs> off the, he's the host of the zoom we can't even kick him off i know <laughs> put him in the waiting room no um okay no but that's valid um okay ready yep three two one Okay, so this week in The Lightning Thief, uh, they are really hungry and smell cheeseburgers, so they go into this shop that, like, really shouldn't sell cheeseburgers, and there's this woman, uh, and she's like, hi, come eat my cheeseburgers, and then uh, Grover's a little sketched out, but Percy and Annabeth are like, yeah, we do really want those cheeseburgers, and then she's like, oh, I'm gonna take a picture of you guys, and, like, then she tries to take a picture and then they get upset and she's actually Medusa. <laughs> wow, that was so bad. I really got stuck on the cheeseburger. Wow. My first week has some serious competition. <laughs> wow. Are you hungry or something? Like every other word was cheeseburger. <laughs> I know, right? I I was getting too much into the details. There's no, a, a long chapter. It was a long chapter. I listened to it as an audiobook too because time was running out and I needed to maintain focus. Um, but like it was 
crazy long. Like it was like a good thirty minute video. Yeah, it's a a thirty thirty five minute uh, audiobook listen. A little mm-hmm. shorter if you listen one point two speed. I did listen one point seven five because I started at eleven fifteen. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a fool. It's okay. See, I, I can't listen to it faster than one point two. Otherwise, I do because I really like the way that what's his name Jesse something he definitely was a narrator person yeah i think there's only one but he he's he's a really good narrator and so i do enjoy listening to it um he really has the percy voice he does he does it's fun but yeah do you guys want to fill in what i missed (laughs) which was a lot i mean you basically got through chapter 11 Minus the fact that he, like, sends Medusa's head to the gods, if that's something we can include in this. That mm-hmm. is a good one. Um, and chapter 12 is just basically, like, they're camping, and it's a little bit of, like, exposition or, like, description about Grover and what, like, he wants out of life. Um, and then they talk to a poodle. I feel like that's pretty much the general gist of what happens in chapter 12. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of character work in chapter 12. Yeah. yeah. Some nice, like, environmentalist undertones. <laughs> Not even undertones. It's so, like, blatant. It's very o- overt. It's so great. Yeah. Oh, love it. Overtone. Oh. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I, okay, no one can see that, but I did just dye my hair with overtone hair dye last night, so I was like, oh. <laughs> Not relevant. Continue. <laughs> so, so what did we forget from these chapters? I forgot, um, I really did forget that they sent Medusa's head to the gods. Like, I, and I, me too, I understood how it worked to begin with, because this time I had to, like, go back and, like, reread it and be like, wait a sec, like, because I read it and listened at the same time, because, focus, um, but I, yeah, I don't know, like, I, for some reason, didn't process that they, like, put a few drachmas in a bag. And, like, it just went bing and, like, was sent um, to Olympus. Because I remember I read the address that it had to go to, but I was like, how? Like, they can't just mail it because people would throw it away. Like, you know. Um, like Amazon. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, so that that was something I forgot, but also something I learned. <laughs> um, I forgot that Grover knew about Medusa from the beginning. He was suspicious mm-hmm. from the moment they walked in there and he was the only one that actually knew what was up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then on top of that, I also forgot that Percy was so sympathetic to her. Like he wasn't suspicious at all. <laughs> like he had a completely different reaction. Yeah. He was like mad at them for being like weird around her. Mm-hmm. Again, but Percy is... Like, why? Obviously. Percy's just like this stupid little loser. <laughs> and I love him for it. He's trying. Yeah. This is partially something I forgot. Also, a question I have. So I forgot that, like, she gives them food. But I'm really stuck on this question of why does this this statuary shop sell, sell burgers? <laughs> I know. Yeah, that was another thing. Like, I forgot they were lured in there by food in general. But it seems, like, planned. It's very out of place. In, like, these statues and, like, tchotchke shop, like... Yeah. Borgers? <laughs> like, it's like she knew they were hungry or something. 
Yeah. I know that that made me question. I was like, wait, again, do all of these characters like we talked about Chiron, like reading Percy's mind for a minute in the the last chapter. And so it was another question of like, how many of these characters can just read each other's minds? (laughs) That's oh, that's really unnerving to think about. But I also like. I don't know. I think I thought about it. Like, I was like, this is weird. But also at the same time, like if I saw children in not the best shape, like on the highway, I'd be like, they probably want to eat. Like, (laughs) that's true. A way to also just a way to like lure them in, just like whip up something from evil air real quick and like give it to them to eat. (laughs) Why does she have this full, full like food court thing? And why don't they question it? Why don't like not one of them wonders like this is weird to have in a garden gnome shop. Yeah, like, as if someone would spend a good, like, morning there and, like, have to pause, like, to eat, like, in the middle of their shopping experience, like. I mean, clearly no one's there for very long. Actually, they are all there for very long. I'm going to correct myself there. (laughs) They're just not getting hungry. Dang, insightful. (laughs) Uh, I forgot that Medusa is... Uh, supposed to be a Middle Eastern woman. Mm-hmm, me too. And, like, that she is veiled. Yeah. And, like, I, I guess I understand that makes sense now. You know, I don't think that's something I <laughs> knew about when I was reading this for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't understand, I don't think, what that meant. Um... But in the movie, they cast Uma Thurman. Yeah, they really did, huh? <laughs> She's a tall white woman. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And then they had her, like, in a headdress. And, they like, this did. is a little... I have some problems with that. Like, I feel like if you're going to cast... I mean, okay, if you're going to cast a white Medusa in anything, give her, like, a nice winter hat with a puff ball or something. <laughs> A little Russian moment there. <laughs> oh, like, what did it... Uh, oh, you, you were thinking... <laughs> I was thinking, like, like uh, one of those, like, domed Russian hats that have yeah. the little ball in the front. But yeah, you were talking, like, like winter, like, yeah. beanies with, a like, a ice skating. I, I was. <laughs> I mean, either <laughs> works, right? That's I mean, funny. I, I'm in support of them both. I'm just, I'm so stuck on the cheeseburger thing. Like, what was her business plan? Like, what is, like, when she opened this shop, what was her business plan? It's like, we're going to have a garden gnome emporium, but wait, there's a food court. Yeah. And the, the investors were like, that's it. That's, that's where you got us. Investors. It's a business. She gets orders and she ships to places it is a business, and we're in a capitalist society, and the gods reflect that. That's really true. I think it would have been really funny if, like, she had decided to put the food court in, like, after the fact. Because, like, I'm just, like, imagining a business meeting with, like, Medusa being like, no, 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 I'm trying to be better. Like, I'm starting a business where I'll interact with people, you know? Like, I'm trying to be yeah. better. And then, and then they'll be like, okay, like, I see that for you, right? Like, I'll let you. Um, and then she starts food court where she's like, this is where I lure them. And it's like, oh no, (laughs) like she definitely did it after the fact. 
And, like, it's a full-ass building. Like, she needed permits for this. She needed, like, if she has a food court, the, like, Board of Health had to certify it. This is a lot of work. Unless she was running it illegally. Because no one leaves, right? You're right. That is a good point. Because there is no one to, like, report to the CDC. Yeah. Because she could always be like, hey, take (laughs) this FDA. Yeah. (laughs) Something's happening here. But no one has noticed people have gone missing. So I really think this is a legit business. Mm. I think she has all her ducks in a row. I think Medusa <laughs> is vengeful and likes tearing people into statues. But I think she's a good businesswoman. Girl boss. Girl boss. That felt like the only appropriate response to that. <laughs> um. I also... This is kind of about something that's coming later, but when there he sees the address for the underworld and he sees where the that the entrance to the underworld is DOA recording studios and it's in WeHo. And I was like, of course the underworld is in WeHo. <laughs> that was it. That was just an observation that I made. Yeah, well, that's funny to me. <sighs> Um, This is, like, kind of a little detail, but his orphan circus story is, like, pretty wild to come up with on the spot. (laughs) It is so bad. It's, like, pretty specific to the fact that, like, there are no circuses. Even, like, this was a little while ago, but there was not circuses in this era of time. Like, is it supposed to be set when it came out in, like, the 2000s? There was no circuses. So, like, why would he even... It was just so... There are circuses, right? I don't know. We don't want a way to join them. (laughs) That was not a thing. So it was just so... It was a little impromptu and didn't make much sense. (laughs) I think he should take improv classes. (laughs) Yeah. He finds the time. You should hop on that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so we're going to now discuss where we saw appearances in the chapter, and I I think we're going to get into the stuff that we've all been waiting to think about. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I, can I start with a bang? Yes. Okay, so here we go. Um, This kind of goes into chapter 12 a little, and then I'm going to loop back. Um, I, this book... The, the series, I love Rick Riordan, or however you say his last name. I love him to bits. I think he's a genius. Um, but these books appeared to me as very, like, politically correct activist books. Um, you know, referencing the environmentalism in Chapter 12, like, the thinly veiled, you know, like, everyone should be an environmentalist type thing. Um, but then going back to Chapter 11 where there is a assault victim or there like 
not like historically, but, you know, mythologically, there is an assault victim who is framed as Poseidon's girlfriend, who is framed to have given consent, who is completely, it robs her of, you know, all validity of like being a victim. Like, it, oh, so many issues with that. So these books appear to me as like these progressive, trying to do what's right things as a whole. And then it's just sort of like, you know, then there's this glaring error in my eyes. So I'm kind of like, hmm, like, what do I do with that? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I I think a way to look at it, it almost is, I don't don't think that's 100% Rick Riordan's fault in the writing of it. I think it's a narrative of, like, how the Medusa myth is told. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if just in case people don't know the actual version of this myth, essentially in the book, it said that, Oh, Medusa and her, uh, Poseidon and his girlfriend who turns out to be Medusa were caught in Athena's temple. And like that, that's, that's all that is really said. Uh, it doesn't get into specifics. It's a children's book, so it's not going to be like, oh, they they fucked in the temple or anything <laughs> like that. Um, but the there are multiple tellings of this myth, and one of the more original tellings of it is that essentially Poseidon raped her in the temple. Uh, Medusa and her sisters were attendants in the temple of Athena, and Poseidon came into the temple and raped her, and then uh, she was punished for being assaulted, not the... Well, actually, there there are multiple tellings and perspectives on this, uh, where some say, oh, Athena blessed her, so gave her power to protect herself from men, um... There's a lot of tellings of this, but I think the most important one to focus on is the assault element of it. Because I feel like the telling of it as a a consensual story is more of a, like, making it appropriate for children, making it erasing the victimhood of a character. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I'm not saying it was the right choice. And I'm not, like, it's more just an explanation rather than an excuse for why he would choose to do that. But um, Medusa is, I guess you could consider her one of the more widely known characters from this whole mythology realm. Mm -hmm. So I feel that he had, that he felt a pressure, Rick Riordan, I mean, to include her because people know her and like they wouldn't have to do their own research um and he wouldn't have to include a lot of exposition about her because they know who she is and they he wanted to include her in some way and had to erase this really important part of her story out of it to make it appropriate for kids but it made it all the more shocking to learn finally when I was older that that's like not how it happened at all so, yeah, it's tough. 
No, yeah, I, I agree that it makes sense how this was written. And also, you, you never know in publishing, like, what the editor ch- editors change and, like, say, oh, like, this mm-hmm. is, you can't say that because it won't sell or things like that. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a weird line to toe because um, there is the whole notion of, like, they could have done something else that that touched on her being the victim as or, like they could have done something with like betrayal or, or something you know centering around that yeah definitely but like you know there's a whole thing where it's like is it better to skew the story or avoid it as a whole i don't know yeah it's, it's very it's complex to tackle in a in a kid's book i think it'd be interesting <laughs> like obviously this is the first book in this series, Percy, the son of Poseidon. Mm-hmm. We're not going to paint Poseidon in a like wicked light as a like rapist who assaulted this woman. Uh, and then Athena, the mother of one of the other characters as someone who like shamed a victim. Like that sets a bad, a bad tone for the characters that, are explored but it yeah. would be really interesting i think if in like a later book it's ex- like he runs into medusa again like after she's reformed and like learns the deeper story like that that would just be a really interesting dynamic to me especially when we see the more adult percy mm-hmm. mm. yeah no i completely agree with that i think it would have been interesting to tackle that but at this like sort of in a in a more broader thematic thing too because it's like the the gods sort of have this like unquestioned power and it's like you like do you have to inherit everything that they believe to be true just because they have all that power you know it's it's interesting yeah and it's topical yeah and and the series definitely touches on that the those themes a lot so it'd be very in world uh, and makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think also on the topic of Medusa and appearances, we can't not talk about how basically her entire thing is if you look at her, she tur- <laughs> you turn to, so- turn to stone. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just interesting what it says about uh, how the world views female appearance. Mm-hmm. Where like, if you're beautiful like you're supposed to be looked upon and it will be rewarding to everyone around you and like you want to be looked at and people want to look at you but medusa is like quote-unquote ugly and so if you look at her you're gonna be so terrified that you're gonna turn to stone so no one wants to look at her and but like she then weaponizes that power in a kind of empowering way, weirdly. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's a businesswoman. She is a strong businesswoman. Not very ethical, but a businesswoman nonetheless. There is no ethical consumption under capitalism. capitalism yes. <laughs> I find it interesting that not once but twice in these chapters, Grover has proven his ability to see through appearances he was the first one who knew that like something was up when they were eating food at medusa's like lair 
And then Percy talks about why he mailed the gods the head and how he's only going to the underworld for his mom. Grover was like, no, you're lying. Um, (laughs) I just find it interesting that Grover is the character that's able to see through appearances in that way. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also interesting because he hides his appearance. You know, like it talks about in the chapter how like his human human foot like over his hoof. Wow. Yeah. Right? I didn't think of that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it's true. Also, I think we were talking about it in um a couple of weeks ago, but talking about how like everything can change. <clears throat> Excuse me. When um sort of your whole grasp on a person can change when you know they reveal that there's more to their identity than you know sort of like yeah. you know Claire and Grover both kind of leading double lives you know like you don't know them as well as you thought you did based on their appearance around you and all that kind of stuff it's just interesting oh yeah like so that in a similar vein I was thinking about how this group dynamic appears to be like oh percy's the the lead the warrior the leader uh annabeth the like planner the like logistic one and grover's the empath Mm -hmm. but it's way more deep than that like while it appears that on the surface like percy has a ton of empathy and emotional like stability and is very helpful in that way annabeth is like probably actually the best fighter among them grover grover feels a lot that one's right grover does be the empath (laughs) it's true i guess he could plan a little bit maybe his plans don't tend to work it seems though (laughs) tell you (laughs) that was unnecessary yeah it was (laughs) that was really mean wasn't it also environmentalism this doesn't really have to do with appearances, but I want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> save the climate. I thought it was actually really cool how they um, integrate, how he integrates that whole theme into the story. Mm-hmm. So I just really feel like it could be done easily, but he figures it out. No, yeah. I agree. It's not exactly like he like sneaks it in there. It's pretty non-discreet. It's very clear what the message is. Mm-hmm. But the way that they, like, manage to connect it to the story is really cool. Yeah, agreed. And it's sort of, like, it's a myth that people have a lot of respect for. So yeah. Like, you know, that transfers, like, you got to have respect for the environment as well. Yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting that he was, the story he told, this guy was like, oh, yeah, Pan's dead. And humans are like, party, like... Time to stop caring about the environment. Yeah. And And it wasn't just exposition so he could get the cause in there. um, That Grover just tells a story about what happened to his ancestors and like what it connects to Grover's whole plot line of wanting to be a searcher and find hands so he can stop this from happening to the earth i just thought it was really cool that they didn't just include that he didn't just include it as a story that was just like thrown in there like it connects to the the intentions and like the core beliefs of this character and where he wants his life to go yeah, i agree yeah. 
he also does some great character development in the like Annabeth interaction between Annabeth and Percy. Does this happen in this chapter? Am I lying? Well, what's the interaction? They interact in these chapters. <laughs> You're right. I know, but th- this happens where I was. My lines are blurred of what where uh, twelve becomes thirteen. But do do they talk about? Do Percy and Annabeth talk briefly about her getting to camp and like her parents and stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I wanted to make sure before I keep going. But uh, Annabeth appears to be like this hard ass and a know it all, and then her appearance breaks down and. Percy's like, oh, she, like, just, like, is this little girl who has had a lot of pain, and she's gone, like, she's kind of blunt because she's had a lot of stuff that she's had to go through. And while she puts up a front of being, like, a hard ass, she's she's still a little sensitive. Like a Tootsie Pop. Like a Tootsie Pop. <laughs> Am I wrong? No. <laughs> okay, Percy Sass moments. I'll go first because I really like this one. Uh, the end of chapter 11, uh, starting on page 186 and going to 187. They're not going to like that, Grover warned. They'll think you're impertinent. I poured some golden drachmas in the pouch. As soon as I closed it, there was a sound like a cash register. The package floated off the table and disappeared with a pop. I am impertinent, I said. I love it. <laughs> I guarantee you this this boy has no idea what the word impertinent means, but he knows he be it. That's true. That's so funny. Yeah, no, that's really good. Oh, okay. I have two little ones. I'm trying to compensate for this one moment that I just really like the diction of with an actual assessment. moment. So I'll go with the, the moment first. So on 182, um, after Annabeth is saying, like, the convexity will cause some distortion. The reflection size should be off by a factor. And he goes, would you speak English? <laughs> and she's like, I am. But, <laughs> like, it, I just thought that was really funny. Um, but the little, the little, um, Rick Riordan an appreciation moment is on the next page, sort of at the bottom where he's like, I could feel warm ooze soaking into my sock, little dying snake heads tugging at my shoelaces. I saw it in my brain. Like I saw like the little, the snakes like tugging at the shoelaces. I don't know. I just think that's a wonderfully constructed sentence, <laughs> but that's <laughs> Um, I have one that is technically Annabeth. It's on page 195. And Percy says, I'm not saying hello to a pink poodle. I said, forget it. Percy, Annabeth said, I said hello to the poodle. You say hello to the poodle. <laughs> it just made me laugh. Just the uh, idea of her being like, I said hello to the poodle. and You can say hello to the poodle. <laughs> we didn't even talk about the poodle. Oh, my God. Legend. Gladiola. Like only like half of the end of chapter 12. Like, it's really thrown in there. Yeah. And not discussed a lot. That it's a poodle. <laughs> you're right it's speaking like i guess grover's speaking to it but still yeah i do have i do have this is not like a specific quote or anything but just a like really funny thought i guess i had but in the beginning of chapter 11 and like annabeth is thanking 
Percy for coming back and saving them. And she's like, it just that if you died, aside from the fact that it would really suck for you. And Annabeth is like, okay, like, it would really suck if you died. But, like, more importantly, it would mess up, like, the shit I have going on. And then Percy doesn't bat an eye at it. He doesn't acknowledge the fact that Annabeth said, I don't really care about you dying for your well-being. It will just mess everything up for me. And then Percy's like, yeah, like, that makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm down. Okay, who we giving offerings for? Ava, would you like to go first? You look like you're about to say something. Oh, no, I wasn't, but I can. (laughs) Okay, so my offerings for Annabeth. I, um... I just really value that she can maintain her composure. Um, You know, she has wanted one of these for so long and she has to accompany this like clueless kid. Like, I mean, she volunteered, but she just has to accompany this kid that like she barely knows kind of thinks is an idiot and like risk her life while they get into trouble like over in Percy. Um, Obviously she's a part of it too, but I just, I respect her kind of maintaining her like optimism and composure um, during those times. And I also think that like, you know, it must kind of hurt to see a new kid get something that quickly and you not. Um, so I just really respect, um, you know, the determination and how she kind of holds it all together. So I just, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to outwardly express that, I suppose, but yeah, she just does a good job. <laughs> Brady, do you want to go? <laughs> no, I was going to let you go. Oh my God, I'm honored. All right, well, I'm taking the opportunity. Um, I'm going to be this week's Grover <laughs> offering because <laughs> every single week we have to offer something to Grover because he's really just having a tough time in every chapter of the book. Um, but he was really protective of the entire group this set of chapters and we learn a lot more about his story and his incredibly sad family life that his father and uncle and I don't know how many more people that we were just not told about have just gone off as searchers and never come back and his pursuing of a dream and uh, an aspiration that seems so out of reach even Percy says it it's somewhere I don't want to pull up the quote but it was like I don't, I couldn't believe that Grover was able to pursue a dream so hopeless. Mm -hmm. It's always so, it seems so bleak. And for him to continue wholeheartedly in that mission. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just sending strength to him. He's doing his best. And I would like to give an offering for Percy Mm -hmm. specifically for sending Medusa's head to Olympus. Uh, The pettiness I appreciate it. I think he is coping with a bad situation very well. I respect lashing out at the the institution, the system, uh, when they're fucking you over and saying, um, screw you, here's the head of Medusa. Uh, I hope y'all turn to stone. Yeah. And I just have a lot of respect for that. No, I do too, honestly. <laughs> Okay, that's all for this week. Tune in next week, where we will be reading... Chapter 13, I Plunge to My Death, and Chapter 14, I Become a Known Fugitive, and we will be discussing the theme of independence. Make sure to check us out on social media. We're at Return to Camp on every platform you can think of, and we just launched a Redbubble store. 
so you can get stickers with stuff that we've said on it. <laughs> They're really cute designs. And a whole bunch of other products, so go check it out. Yay! Yay! <laughs> See you next week! We all wave! <laughs> <laughs>